Reading is taken from the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 11, starting with verse 1. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray, as John taught his disciples. And Jesus said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us to the time of trial. And he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from inside his house, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives. And everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And this is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. May I speak in the name of the living God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, uh, it's wonderful to be here back in All Saints Ecclesall. I first started attending worship here with um, my wife in... 2002 we had been married for one year at that point and we made this our home church we did go away for a little bit of a while and then we came back with children and I served as a curate here and um, whilst doing my curacy here we did this youth and young adults thing on a Sunday evening called the anvil and it was there that I first met well I would call him Mac but he goes by Mackenzie now because he's a little bit taller than he was so he stretched his name out a bit more um, as well and um, uh, Mackenzie and I we used to gather here with Zoe and, and loads of others and just have a fantastic time of worship so I'm back because Mackenzie was kind enough to say we'd like a baptism can you come and do it Harry and just what a privilege it is to be involved in that to meet Lily to have Mark welcome me back and say all right Harry we'll let you come back Um, and to just be with you all and see some new faces here and some familiar faces as well Um, and it We're going to take a little bit of a look now at that reading from uh, Luke's Gospel. It was quite a long reading, so I think I'm just going to focus really on um, the first bit where the disciples of Jesus say to Jesus, teach us how to pray. Now, 
depending on which school you went to uh, and or how old you might be, you may have learnt to pray at school. Um, school, I learned to pray at school. School actually taught me more than one prayer. For example, one prayer that I learned at school, I'm pretty sure this one was self-taught, was, God, I promise not to say any more swear words if the teachers don't find out who it was who broke the window. Amen. <laughs> and uh, if you want to find out whether that prayer was answered and whether I do say any swear words, ask Zoe, my wife. Um, but the more orthodox prayer that I was taught... Um, and that you may have been taught in school as well, was the prayer that's known as the Lord's Prayer, which we've heard a version of in our reading from the Bible this morning. And I remember we had to pray it at the end of the school day before we were told to um, then take our chair and put it on top of our desk, which seems a really odd thing to do uh, at the time, and only reflecting back on it now, I realised it was to help the cleaners to hoover up under the desks when we'd all gone home. And just as really at the time I never questioned putting our chairs on our tables, nor did I question the prayer. It was just something you did and you had to do before you could quickly leg it out of school and run home as fast as your legs could carry you. Nowadays, the words of that prayer are not as commonly known as they once were. And some schools don't bother with it at all. If you go to a church school, then maybe you do still use it. So as we hold on to that thought, the Lord's Prayer, how well we know it, maybe we don't know it, it's all right if you don't know it, that's absolutely fine. Let's reflect on a truth that most folks, especially Christians, are scared to admit. Prayer is not very easy. Now, we've just done a, a christening or a baptism. The two words mean the same thing. We brought um, the youngsters up to the front of the church. We said some words. We made some promises. And we prayed a prayer over Lily and Jacob. And uh, godparents and parents both uh, were encouraged to pray for Lily and for Jacob. And it always makes me wonder at that point in our uh, baptism service, what's more difficult to pray for your godchild on a regular basis or to know what to buy them as a birthday present when they're 14 years old. But prayer is very difficult. And one of the reasons prayer is difficult is because it's hard to know if it's worked. Someone once said, when we pray, coincidences happen and when we don't pray, coincidences stop happening. But how do we know when we've prayed that prayer whether it is just a coincidence or not? And if you're here and you're not used to coming to church, very warm welcome. If you're here and you're very used to coming to church, Jacob, and you want to get involved in the service, a very warm welcome to you too. If you're here and you're not used to coming to church, I bet you've still prayed. I bet you've still said, God, if you're there, help me out here. But how do we know whether that prayer is answered or not? One of my favourite podcasts to listen to as I'm walking the dog is by a person who goes by the name of Science Mike. That's not his real name. And uh, Science Mike was raised in a very strict Christian home in America. Um, But one day his parents, very surprisingly, got divorced um, because life's hard sometimes. And because of that, Mike lost all faith. He became an atheist, an avowed atheist. Don't believe in God anymore. That's all nonsense. And then one day he found faith again and came to a faith in Jesus Christ again. 
And nowadays, he uses his knowledge of science to discuss faith and issues of faith. And Science Mike says this about prayer. I think this is brilliant. You have to listen in hard, so listen to this. He says about prayer, uh, based on scientific studies, prayer is at least, prayer is at least a form of meditation that encourages the development of healthy brain tissue. It lowers stress and can connect us to God. That's scientifically true. Even if that is a comprehensive definition of prayer, then the health and psychological benefits of prayer justify the disciplines. So even if you're not a believer here, even if everything we've done so far in the service is absolute nonsense, science tells us that when we pray or meditate or trust our higher power or whatever else we do, it lowers stress, it brings us peace, it develops healthy brain tissue. And if that is all that prayer is, get involved, it's good for you. But what if prayer is us talking to the creator of the whole world? Wow. So when it comes to prayer, I've got three quick points. That I'd, oh no, four quick points that I'd like to pray. Let's make these very quick, shall we? The first point is this. Ask the right people the right questions. If you read through the accounts of Jesus' life, Um, we call them the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, Um, then you come across a number of occasions where the disciples, those who follow Jesus, ask a number of questions. Some of those questions are really mundane questions. Some of them are unusual. Many of them are a bit misguided. Um, They ask things like, Jesus, where are you staying tonight? Which makes them sound a bit like stalkers, Um, which is essentially what they were. They wanted to follow Jesus wherever he was going. They also ask Jesus, can you show us God the Father? They asked Jesus, which of them would be the greatest? Jesus, out of all of us guys, which one of us is going to be the best? That's one of the misguided questions. And in Luke's account of the story of the life of Jesus, the one that we've had today, the disciples start out by saying, Jesus, can you teach us how to pray? What a great question to ask. Ask the right questions. We all ask questions in life. Some of them are very deep questions. What are we doing here? Why is the world so amazing, but at the same time so horrific when we look at what's going on in Ukraine and famines and things going on in the world? How do I find meaning in life? And when we're asking questions like that, it pays to ask the right questions and to direct those questions to the right person. So asking the Son of God to help us to pray is pretty much like hitting the jackpots. Jesus, how do I talk to the creator of the whole cosmos? You don't get a much better question than that. The second thing I like to say about prayer is that Jesus gives his followers these words of the prayer. And you might know them off by heart. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You might know the Yorkshire version. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Um, We know those, those words off by heart. But they are more than just words. They're more than just words. They bring us into the presence of God. But they are all the same words, aren't they? When when, um, the disciples went to Jesus and said, teach us how to pray, give us the words, he didn't say, well, that depends how you're feeling today. Jesus didn't say to the disciples, well, tell me how much faith you've got. 
Jesus didn't say to his disciples, can you just give me a creedal formula and tell me exactly what it is you believe and then I'll tailor a prayer to to your beliefs and how you are feeling. And that fact is a little surprising because we're individuals and we'd like an individual prayer to pray that speaks of exactly how we feel and who we are and how we're doing. A bespoke prayer, a tailor-made prayer, a prayer for the level of faith that we can muster. Maybe as small as a mustard seed, maybe a bit bigger. We're used to things being exactly as we like them. But Jesus just gave the disciples those words with no options. Jesus seems to be saying, however you feel, whatever level of faith you've got, whether you believe in God or whether you're struggling to find belief today, this is how to pray. No matter how you feel. And the reason Jesus says, this is how you pray, no matter how you feel, is because they're not just words. The words of that prayer are words that describe actions that Jesus did and that Jesus invites us to do. Jesus didn't ever say to people, I want you to understand me. Jesus didn't say to people, I want you to agree with me. Jesus didn't say to people, I want you to discuss me and work me out. Jesus didn't say to people, I want you to read the things that I am going to say in the original Greek language. Jesus said to people, I want you to follow me and do what I do. Praise the Lord. If more people followed Jesus and did what Jesus did, I 100% guarantee you this world would be a better place. So the Lord's Prayer isn't just, they're not just words. It's a prayer by which we enter into and live the life of a disciple. We pray the words and we do the words. It's really hard though. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Wow. So they're more than words. But they do sound quite a lot like words, don't they? They are, you know, they're words, Harry. They're words on a page. Some of us are so familiar with those words, we just pray them out of habit. They just trip off our tongue. Some of us don't mean it when we say it. Some of us don't think about whether we mean it or not. Some of us can say it without even thinking about what we're saying. We know it so often. Some of us, when we say those words, we're worried. Do I really mean this or not? We do a lot of things in life out of habit. I don't know if you've noticed. We eat, we sleep. Pre-COVID, we shook hands. We say out of habit, some of us, I love you too. But just because we do it out of habit, it doesn't mean it's any less powerful. Just because it's force of habit, it doesn't mean we should stop saying it. Sometimes it's good to do things out of habit. Sometimes it's good to repeat actions over and over again. And the reason why it's good to repeat that habit of saying those words over and over again, is, praise the Lord, you'll be glad to hear my fourth and final, and probably my most important point of this sermon, is this. Prayer reorders our priorities. Prayer reorders our priorities. I started off by saying that prayer is really difficult, and it is really, really difficult. And I said sometimes prayer is difficult because we don't know if our prayers have been answered. But here's the thing about prayer. It's not really about getting the answers that we want. It's about reordering our priorities. That's why we've stopped saying some prayers, I think. We used to pray, some of you will have prayed with your children. Um, 
a prayer that we've stopped saying now. We used to pray with our children at bedtime. As I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I pray thee, Lord, my soul to take. And we stop praying it because we think we don't want to talk about death to our children. But back in the day, when infant mortality was a bit higher than it was, those words were really powerful. And I don't want to alarm you folks here this morning, but the mortality rate of human beings does hover around the 100% mark. But we pray that prayer not because we want that prayer to be answered and we want to die that night. We pray that prayer to reorder our priorities. To say, actually, let's be in God's presence and know that when we're in God's presence, nothing can take us away from that presence. Prayer doesn't just bring about answers. Sometimes prayer does bring about answer. Although in my personal experience, it's not very often those earth-shattering, miraculous, outrageous answers, but prayer does reorder our priorities. And so the first two words of the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray is, Our Father. That was a long reading. Let's just do a sermon on two words. Our Father. Pray those two words with boldness and confidence and faith. May they reorder your priorities. Ignore for a moment how you're feeling. Ignore for a moment where your faith levels are. Ignore for a moment what's going on in your life and just say, Our Father, and know this, you have a Creator in heaven who knows you by name, who loves you, and who wants the best for you. And know that if you pray that, then even if you do die tonight, it doesn't matter. Because in the words of the Apostle Paul, death has lost its sting. If you can pray, our Father, and mean it, then life takes on a very different twist. And that's why you have to pray it boldly, because it's the prayer of the people in the kingdom of God. Pray those two words, our Father, and live out those two words. Live as if you had a heavenly Father who loves you and knows you. And as you begin to do that, your world will be turned upside down. Or maybe your world will be turned the right way up. And it's those two words, our Father, that have so much meaning for Jacob and for um, Lily this morning. We say in baptism, God, you are Lily and Jacob's heavenly Father. Remind us, therefore, to reorder our priorities and to raise Lily and to raise um, Jacob, to know that money doesn't mean much, human status doesn't really matter, it doesn't really matter how many views we have on our TikTok account, those things don't define us. What defines us is not how big our house is or the car we drive or whether we've got an iPhone 11 or not, what defines us is we have a God in heaven who knows us and loves us. That's what gives us purpose. So may you, this morning, know that you have a Father in heaven. May your prayers be answered. May they reorder your priorities. And may you know that you are loved. Amen.